0: So meditation has been described as the art of awakening. And what we awaken to is really the play of life through all forms. And this art of mindful living, of presence, is also a science. And as most of you know, It takes practice. Awakening takes practice. It would be really nice if we could say, well, my life is my practice and I'm just going through life waking up to what comes. But as we know, we're all pretty habituated and we're half asleep a lot of the time. So it takes quite a bit of resolve and commitment and courage to practice presence in a formal and an informal way. So the way the Buddha, 2,500 years ago, taught this kind of training and awareness was a systematic attention to what he called the four foundations of mindfulness. And so we'll use these four foundations as a way to um, kind of each week pay special attention ourselves here. The first foundation of mindfulness the Buddha described is that of the body and sensations and the breath. The second has to do with feeling. The third, mind states, mind objects, emotions. And the fourth, consciousness itself, the laws of, of cause and effect that really um, described how our body-minds experience life. So we'll do it week by week. Um, this first week, mindfulness of the body, is really the foundation of all mindfulness practice. If you did nothing else but practice wise attention, caring attention to the life of the body, to the movement of sensations in the body, all the truths of life would be revealed. You can fully wake up just on that. And there are some teachers that that's all they teach is mindfulness of sensations. So um, if you never come back again, you've gotten all the instructions you need really tonight. This is the Buddha. There is one thing that when cultivated and regularly practiced, leads to deep spiritual intention, to peace, to mindfulness and clear comprehension, to vision and knowledge, to a happy life here and now, and to the culmination of wisdom and awakening. And what is that one thing? It is mindfulness centered on the body pretty convincing, isn't it? All of life is experienced through our senses. All emotions are embodied. So there's no way to heal. There's no way to become whole. There's no way really to become free that bypasses awakening through our bodies. Bruce Gregory says, no matter how convinced a Buddhist is that the world is an illusion She invariably leaves a room by walking through a doorway rather than through a wall. (coughs) So we belong to this world. We're made of the elements. And waking up to who we are means waking up through these bodies. But it's not easy to bring mindfulness or presence to our bodies. As a culture, and this is true especially in the West, we really mistrust our bodies. You know, They get sick and they get old and they die and they're not really controllable. And we seem to take refuge in leaving our bodies and not having to deal with that mysterious, uncontrollable nature. So we leave a lot. Most of you have heard this uh, part of James Joyce's novel where he writes, Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body. You know that one? But it describes it pretty well. We do that. We live a little bit in front. You know, We're leaning forward in our thoughts. So the result or the consequences of not being here in our bodies, but rather trying to control, trying to lead, is that there's a struggle and there's a disconnection, not only from our bodies, but from Earth, from all of nature. And you can see how this plays out through every world religion. That in each world religion there's in some way this um, patriarchal enterprise to transcend what is impure, what is uncontrollable, and through transcendence try to achieve uh, spirituality and enlightenment and awakening. So to transcend what's natural, what's wild, transcend the body, transcend sexuality, and only then do we become, other than who we are now, and pure. And you can see it. There's an attachment to detachment. There's a neglect or rejection of bodies as impure. And this goes through every world religion, including schools of Buddhism. And it's based on a misperception that the spiritual journey is really a purification by rising above embodiment, getting off the wheel, I don't know if some of you might not be familiar, but the wheel of samsara is this wheel of birth and death, and and supposedly we're trying to get off this wheel that, that life and spirituality happens elsewhere. The heart of the Buddhist teachings are that we release and let go of our attachment to and sense of a small separate self, but not that we disengage from life. In fact, it's quite the opposite that as we practice this letting go of our sense of separation and smallness, we really open to an enormous, boundless vitality, a deep quality of engagement. It's as Joanna Macy writes, how can I get off the wheel? I am the wheel. Isn't that great? We are this life. So to discover who we are, to heal, to free ourselves, to touch real freedom, means to open here and now to this embodiment, to honor it, not to leave. Now, Carl Jung described really a kind of maturing of of the perception of a spiritual path. He described it as the shift from the Piscean to the Aquarian Age. Here's what he wrote. He said, it's a shift from a journey towards perfection to a journey toward wholeness. This means that instead of climbing up a ladder to leave behind impurity, we turn to embrace the world in all its realness. Broken, messy, vivid, alive, beautiful, mysterious. Embrace it. So we begin that by embracing in a very basic way the sensations, the life that arises through these bodies. Just as a little exercise of attunement, take some moments to reflect on what some of your ideas are about your body, your concepts of the body, your sense of your body as whatever, organs, energy, high energy, low energy, systems, fat, thin, healthy, not. Whatever it is that you have as an idea of your body, And take a few breaths, letting go of ideas, and just take some moments to feel the body from inside the body, right now. Just relax and feel the body from inside the body. Just what's happening now. And now, what's true? This is called bare attention. Feeling the body from within the body. How different it is than the concepts we have. You can keep doing that as much as you'd like as we explore this tonight. But the instructions for mindfulness of sensations are really quite simple. They're to experience the breath in the breath. To experience the body in the body. A direct non-conceptual awareness of the changing flow of sensations. Now, as I mentioned, this is very challenging given all our tendencies to try to control our experience, to regulate things, and then to judge how it's going. I mean, consider most of our physical activities, the ways we exercise and move, even the ones that are more spiritually oriented, like yoga. So often the way we do it is trying to push or strive to to meet some sort of a standard and all the commentary that goes in the midst of those physical exercises are just spacing out, not being there. It's so rare that we just fully sit down in the world of sensations without interfering, simple presence with bare attention. It's very rare. So we leave. We leave out of habit. We leave out of fear. We leave out of wanting things different. And so the question is, how do we awaken inside these bodies? How do we train ourselves? And what happens when we stay? What do we discover? The Buddha said it's liberation. There is freedom, a real freedom, a radical freedom when we stay. And there's healing in a very deep personal and transpersonal way. So I'd like to talk about awareness in the body with, in both of those domains, both as a, a way of healing and as a very radical way of freeing ourselves. And we'll start with healing. As many of you know, there are different kinds of sensations that we experience as pain. We call it pain, but they, there's different kinds of categories. <clears throat> And one of the kinds of categories of pain we experience, and I'll talk about it in terms of our sitting practice here, is that when we're unaccustomed to sitting still in a certain posture, the body gets cranky, it's not used to that, and it gets uncomfortable. And we experience that as pain. And it's the kind of pain that if you get up and move around, it goes away right away. So it's not like there's a wounding going on. It's just an unaccustomed posture. And that's one kind of pain of sitting, and people find that in retreat in particular because there's so many more hours of it, you know. So there's that. Then there's a second kind of pain, when there's really something, some real imbalance physically in our body, and it we experience that in a very direct way, and it signals that we're sick, or there's some real difficulty. But there's a third kind of pain, and this is the kind of pain we'll spend some time on tonight, which has been called Dharma pain, which really is the pain that we discover when we stop being so busy and we start being with our bodies. And what we find in this third is it's a physical manifestation of the kind of emotional and spiritual contractions that we've been carrying for years and years and years. Reich describes it as muscular armor, and we all have it. We all, in some way, respond to wounds by tensing and and creating a scar or covering to those wounds. And that's the pain that we feel these contractions to kind of protect our vulnerability. So gradually, as we start paying attention to that kind of pain, what we've been calling the Dharma pains, you can find, and many people find this in retreats, that memories and all sorts of imagery and things happen because we're with this tightness that's covering up deeper pockets of wounding. Now, a basic principle in healing, and this is in all types of healing, is that what we gradually include in our awareness, when we gradually include all that's previously been shot out, buried, blocked, armored against, in that inclusion, our bodies and our hearts begin to heal. That is the most basic principle in Western psychotherapy as well as Eastern practices. Healing means to become whole. It's through inclusion. So working with opening to sensations, to the sensations we call painful, that are covering, that are holding in, that are contracting, is really a basic part of the art of meditation, this opening process. And the key is, it needs to be unconditional. We train in opening unconditionally to what's pleasant and unpleasant and neutral. I'd like to uh, tell you about, this is a Calvin and Hobbes. And in it, Calvin's up in a tree and he's saying, I suppose the secret of happiness or to happiness is learning to appreciate the moment. And he goes on and says, I, for example, take great pleasure in being right here, right now, doing just what we're doing. And then Hobbes says, of course, you know, you're supposed to be at school. And Calvin says, I couldn't appreciate those moments. (laughs) (laughs) So that's conditional presence, you know. (laughs) As a therapist and as a teacher, I've worked with many people that will tell me that they barely can register anything in their bodies that for whatever reason the, the trauma of early life or maybe other lives was such that the disconnect, the dissociation, is very complete. And so that most of daily experience is not registered as sensations in the body. Even people that don't feel that complete disconnect or dissociation have a very difficult time, and this is all of us, opening and letting go into very unpleasant sensations it's challenging. So it takes about four basic skills to begin to do it, to begin to stay with what's unpleasant. And at this stage, sometimes what's going on in people's minds is, well, why bother? I mean, if you can get away from it, why not, you know? And certainly there is a wisdom and a compassion to trying to ease major discomfort. I mean, that's just a wise and kind thing. But the truth is there are many discomforts in our life that we really can't avoid anyway. So to befriend, to come to peace with, to come to terms with what's difficult, to have the capacity in our heart and mind to stay with what's difficult creates a quality of confidence and ease in life that really is the foundation of our happiness. So there's a real power to learning to stay put. So, four skills. The first is concentration. The second we'll talk about is clear recognition, seeing what's happening. The third is to be able to relax in the midst of things. And the fourth is kindness, bringing a quality of kindness to what's going on. So let me speak um, not somewhat briefly on each one. Concentration, we start each sitting with concentration. Unless there's some quality of awareness that can stay with, that can come back from thinking, from being lost, and go, oh yeah, I've been away, that remembers to come back. It's very hard to be with our bodies. Our habit is to leave. So concentration is to develop that skill of remembering, reconnecting, coming back home. Oh yeah, thinking, thinking, back to this moment. It's been described, and many of you have heard this, as training the puppy you know, that the puppy goes off and goes into the corner and pees, or runs away, and you say, come back, come back, stay, sit. And it's done in a friendly way. It's done in a firm but gentle way, because you want to have the puppy as your friend, but a friend that knows how to be here, to come back, to stay. So we're training our minds, and we do it primarily with the concentration on the breath, as you've noticed here, of using the breath as an anchor to come back again and again, So that muscle of coming back, of attending, is strong. So that's concentration. The second quality, clear recognition. And just to spend a little more time on that, and I'll use an example of pain. When we are sitting and there's pain in our bodies, what clear recognition means is to recognize and include all the layers of those sensations. And pain is layered. It's multi-layered. And you can even, as I talk, just feel into your body and sense if there are areas of discomfort. What we find kind of at the center is some physically some pressure, some tightness, pinpricks, needles, throbbing, burning. Pay attention. Discover for yourself. What is it? If you can name the sensation when there's real discomfort, It's usually that it's heat, tearing, pinpricks, tightness, squeezing. So that's at the center of it, to be able to recognize that. And then there's layers around the pain. Inside as I mentioned, there's what are called the elements of fire and vibration and pressure. But surrounding, outside is often a layer of physical tightness, because we contract against the pain. So we find layers of physical tightness and contraction when we're bringing mindfulness to what we call pain, we can either be mindful of that epicenter where it's most intense, the fire, the pressure, the intensity, or in a more comprehensive way, sense the layers of tightness around it. Either is fine, the wide-angle lens, or the telescopic, because we're beginning to be with fully what is there. Now in addition to these layers, on the sensational level. There's also the layers of the emotions that we have in reaction to the pain. Fear. I'm scared. How long is this going to go on? Will it ever stop? If I pay attention to it, will it go away? You know, that kind of thing. That's called bargaining mind. So there's, there's fear. There might be anger. There might be judgment. I, what does this say about me as a meditator? If I sit here and within five minutes I've got these tearing streaks of pain up my leg or back. you know. So there's that layer of judgment and emotion and thinking. Now, we'll be paying attention more next week and the week after to those layers, but this week to just sensations, just coming back to, those, to that epicenter of what's intense and the contraction around it. Healing requires that we become aware of all the layers of what's there. As I mentioned before, though, if it's too much, if it feels too disturbing when we're working with pain, we take a break. It's not wise to keep on pouring into it, leaning into it. You know, you be with it some, and then we take a break. We take a break by turning the attention elsewhere. You can go back to the breath, you can go for a walk, take a shower, be with somebody, get a massage. And then when we have a little more resilience or space or perspective, we come and be with what's there again. With sensations, as we pay careful, attention. The layers unfold and reveal themselves, and gradually the tension does release, because there's an allowing quality in the mind. Energy begins to move, and the places in the body where there are deep holdings begin to open. Many of you that have been on retreats where it's a little more continuous practice find this, that there's this kind of opening of what's been closed down. Some people experience spontaneous vibration some sort of an intensity of the breath. There's, there's all sorts of spontaneous kind of experiences that happen all within the realm of it's normal. You know, as we open, as these layers unfold themselves. So, there's concentration, learning to come back, to be here. Okay, there's clear recognition. Then the last two areas, to relax. When we see these layers, we sense this tightness. We're aware of the pinpricks to relax, to create some softness, as Stephen Levine describes it, to create a soft space around the intensity, to give it room. He also describes soft belly as this way of softening in the body to really say, okay, whatever needs to dance through, be here, to not fight what's there. This is the power of relaxation, to not create an adversary of what's difficult but rather to make room so it can come and go and teach us what is meant to be taught. Finally, there's meeting what arises with care. And perhaps of all the qualities of mind that are the grounds of being able to be with what's true, this quality of loving-kindness, that we care about this life, that we care to be here with what's there, is that which most makes it possible for us to heal, for us to become whole. It's quite similar to when we find ourselves in an environment with people that are very safe or loving, that it's much easier for us to be open, to feel natural, to feel more whole in who we are. When we start learning to bring that same kind of kind presence To what's difficult, the pain in our bodies, then too it's possible that this healing process, this opening, this letting go, can happen. In the light of mindful awareness, these pockets of long-held wounds and pain open and dissolve into the larger space of awareness. So concentration, coming back to what's there clear recognition, seeing the layers, including it, relaxing as we do, making the space for it, and bringing kindness. We can do it very overtly. We can actually send loving kindness to the places in our bodies that hurt. We can forgive what's there. Very powerful practice. Now, when we're not faced with compelling sensations, like pain, then our practice is rather to just be aware of our sitting posture, And you can do that right now just to be aware of the sensations of sitting. You don't have to sit up straight. You're fine as you are. (laughs) Whenever you, wherever you are during the day. Mindfulness of sensations can be probably the most grounding practice in daily life to bring a regular awareness to what's happening. To be mindful to sweep through the body, just sense what, how am I holding my back, my belly, the chest. How am I aligned? What's the experience of sensations in this posture? In each of these areas, when we pay careful attention, what we get attuned to is either the free movement of energy or blocks. And if we get attuned to blocks, the very nature of being aware of them helps to begin to gradually release them. This is the power of awareness. By honoring and attending to the body in this way, we reconnect to a fundamental experience of aliveness. We don't feel alive when we're not awake in our bodies. We begin, as we attend, to feel the rhythms and the needs of our bodies, to be able to take care of. There's a healing and awakening of the senses. And again, this is something people notice quite a lot on retreats because practice goes so deep that there becomes this real aliveness in taste, in sound, and visually there's a vividness to color. Our senses wake up, and we feel more instinctive and intuitive and real. There's a story that I've heard a number of times from uh, different people that describe, um, in fairly contemporary times, Um, A group of Native American children gathered around an elder who was describing how their grandfather used to go through the woods always wearing no clothes at all. And They kept saying, but why did he do that? Why did he wear no clothes at all? And then the elder would say to them, well, would you go through the woods wearing a big sock or bag over your face? And they'd say, no. Why not? Well, I wouldn't be able to see or smell or hear. And then the elder would say, well, grandfather is all face. With our senses awake, we begin to trust our experience. There's not so much need to get validation from outside, because there's a sense of realness, of connectedness with what's true. It's a reclaiming of our instinctive and intuitive nature. There's a cartoon I saw recently and in it there's a fortune teller um, looking into a crystal ball and a guy kind of waiting for what she's going to say and finally she looks at him and she says she looks, she looks deeply into the crystal ball and she looks up and she says to him you'll fall for anything. And then you see him and his thought bubble saying uncanny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I thought it was great. <laughs> the truth is we do look outside for validation all the time. There is a lot of suffering in how we don't trust our own perceptions, we don't trust our being to know what's true. So this whole waking up through the body is a waking up to trust our instincts and our intuition. It's described that when we're separated from our body, we're also separated from our heart and from the earth, from the world around us. D. H. Lawrence describes it this way, when we're cut off from the natural world, we're bleeding at the roots. It's powerful. So opening our bodies, we awaken, trust in, and connection to the living body of the earth. It naturally happens. When we're listening and looking and feeling at this life, we don't objectify so much. We're feeling it from the inside. And there's a quality of belonging rather than a needing to conquer, and a quality of caring rather than needing to struggle with anything. Real peace becomes possible. So as I mentioned, this is, this is the healing side, that we become more whole as we connect with and feel the life of the body then there's also that we have the capacity to become free, very awake and free, in the way the Buddha described as liberation in all manners. And it comes from seeing clearly what's true, when we be with sensations, with mindfulness. As life awakens to realize its own nature, what is seen is the truth that frees us. It's been described in Buddhist terms as three characteristics and the first of those three characteristics is that of impermanence. That as we become very, very present and drop all our ideas, all our concepts, it becomes absolutely clear that this entire universe is ever-changing, absolutely non-static, constantly changing on a cellular or molecular level. We sense this. Again, an exercise just to be in our bodies. Close your eyes, if you will. And take a few deep breaths and feel your body. And just pick up your right hand and extend your index finger. And very, very slowly raise and lower the index finger up and down, dropping any idea of finger and just feeling from the inside the sensations up and down what the actual experience is feeling from the inside with concentration and presence just what's happening tingling, vibration, heat, temperature Staying with your experience, gently lowering the hand down so that your hand is resting in a very easy and effortless way. And continue to pay attention to the hand that was moving, feeling it coming to stillness. And again, become very aware of sensations from within. Notice everything you can. softening, relaxing, attending to this world of sensations, see if you can discover the boundary of what we call hand, where the difference between inside and outside is. Softening further, sensing if there's edges sensing what's most real, and staying in a way connected with these bodies, but you can relax the attention and open the eyes. What we discover when we drop concepts and pay direct attention is that we are change. Our being is changed. It's a changing river of sensations and images and sounds and then more sensations that there's nothing static. There's nothing that's unchanging. So this is one of the great insights of impermanence. We also see as we pay attention with meditation that if we try to hold on to anything, to stop anything, to freeze the action, to keep something, to push away something, they're suffering. In any moment that we try to make it different than it is, they're suffering. I described several weeks ago how one student at IMS called this tendency to hold on to what's changing, rope burn, you know, it's moving and it burns us, I thought that was really great. And that's what happens in our life, when we don't let go into the flow in some way, the tension that's created by trying to hold on to our life and control our life or get away from our life, that's suffering, that's called dukkha, our essential discomfort in this world. That's the second insight, the nature of suffering when we try to hold on and stop our change, how it all is. So there's impermanence, there's suffering. The third realization is that of selflessness. Again, if you close your eyes and just pay attention to this world of sensation, to this changing experience of vibration, tingling, heat, cool, images, sounds, what we discover is that all phenomena move and change on their own. There's no part that remains solid or separate, or that we can own or control, that we can point to as being I or me. Without concepts, when we're not thinking, there's no finger, there's no self-owning a finger, there's no one that this is happening to. You can ask yourself the question, who's knowing all these sensations, turning the mind on itself, there's no one there, just the changing flow of experience that's known. Letting go into the flow of sensations is letting go of our solid, static sense of small self. It's opening to a boundless, mysterious aliveness. As we practice, though, we discover all our tendencies to try to hold on again. I described at the beginning of this talk how the Buddha said, if you just open mindfulness to sensations, the whole universe, all the truths reveal themselves and can free us. And yet as we do it, we find we don't want to let go into it. There's fear. So we hold on. We put out more thoughts to reconstruct a sense of a self, trying to do something, trying to meditate, not doing a good job. And in that moment, we're back in concepts, and we have in some way disconnected From the flow. So it's a practice of letting go. Letting go, right this moment, back into the body, back into the aliveness. Letting go is really a willingness to face death, to face the death of our ideas of a separate self, the death of anything we want to hold on to, the loss of this moment into the next moment, the loss of this body, Letting go into impermanence is a dying but it can also be understood as a letting go into endless creativity, into this amazing mystery of being the river. We are the river, of living it, of opening out of ideas and into aliveness. This is Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them, and the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. The answers aren't mental. The truths we seek we don't find through thinking, but discover through opening to a direct aliveness that's here in this moment. This is the deep transformation the Buddha described from a conceptual self to a changing, boundless, wakeful, and compassionate awareness. Some of you know I've described this Buddhist nun from the 1500s who said, My way, my path, is to meet life with my whole body. Try that this week, just now and then remembering, Okay, may I meet this moment with my whole body? Can we meet this moment? Relax and open and let go with our whole body. We suffer when we hold back. We suffer and then we call it in some way in our lives we're holding back from living fully, from loving fully, from being here. We suffer. Practice of letting go and opening to our bodies is practice of being here fully. It's an embracing of living and dying. There's a beautiful ancient uh, poem which says, When I realize that the oak tree is dying, Suddenly, everything seems radiant. So we're afraid of this intensity of living, dying, that moves through and expresses through these bodies. And that fear keeps us armored and half awake. The practice of awakening in our bodies heals and frees us in a deep way. Let me just read you, this is from Kabir. Inside this clay jug, there are canyons and pine mountains, and the maker of canyons and pine mountains. All seven oceans are inside, and hundreds of millions of stars. The acid that tests gold is there, and the one who judges jewels, and the music from the strings no one touches, and the source of all water. If you want the truth, I will tell you the truth. Friend, listen. The God whom I love is inside. Inside this clay jug there is this whole world. The Buddha taught also that the whole world exists in this fathom-long body, as he described it. He says, our practice is to open to what is here, just this, and in this way awaken to all of life. So, that's a lot of words. Let's take some time to Just be with this world of sensations sitting together, but before you do, take a moment to stretch in whatever way you'd like that's mindful. Feel your breath moving, stretching, and then come sitting when you're ready. As we did earlier, when you reestablish yourself, let it be in a way that's balanced, alert, yet relaxed. You won't be sitting for long, but find yourself in a way that feels very much present. And take some moments again to feel the breath and to relax into the body. You might sense the half-smile of the Buddha at the mouth and letting it be a very real but easy smile as a way of connecting with that spirit of loving-kindness that can hold and open to whatever arises in the body with care. take some moments of conscious letting go again. You can do this many times in a sitting, in a very gentle way, just to soften through the body, giving yourself that gift. As we allow the body to be more loose and open and soft, our mind becomes more clear and easy. let the hands be soft and then relax and soften in the belly feeling the life that arises throughout your being in this softness, in this open space make room for it all mindful of just what's happening feeling the body from within the body aware of this ever-changing dance of sensations. If it helps to establish the anchor of the breath as a way to focus a bit, relax and be with the breath. But if anything calls your attention, any sensation, Letting go of the breath, and with care, a soft, clear attention, being with what arises, sensing if it's layered, aware of the epicenter or most intense area, aware in a more comprehensive way of what's around it. Let your intention be to bow to whatever arises, making room for sensations with a clear and caring attention. We'll close the sitting with the chanting of Om. so please take a deep in-breath, and then exhale, and inhale deeply to begin. Oh.